0: First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't generate amusing holiday cards, but it will personalize career paths for your people and let you know which suppliers are best so you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology, real world results. That's SAP Business AI.
1: It's important to not overplan, And I think that's where a lot of marketers go wrong is they have their plan and then you know, they execute their plan and they see what happens and then they plan again. What we try to do is just really be iterative, looking, pivoting, looking, adding fuel to the fire, looking, taking away fuel from that fire didn't work. And I do think that's really a metaphor for growing a business as an entrepreneur too. You know, like when this happened, we just figured out how to pivot and how to add fuel to that fire. We didn't think we were going to grow a business that was good at TikTok. That wasn't part of the plan, but we decided to add fuel to that fire.
2: You're listening to What I Know. I'm Christine Legorio-Chapkin. Today's episode, add fuel to the fire. Whether you're on TikTok or not, You know that the Super Short Video app is a social media powerhouse with more than 65 million users in the U.S. last year. And it's not just teens dancing or cracking jokes. It's becoming a marketing vehicle that's driving a lot of real spending. TikTok is not all we'll be talking about today, but its rise in popularity did lead to the inflection point for the business that my guests today founded. That's because a chance meeting led them to dive into the platform to create viral campaigns like this. Which not only sent their campaign to one billion views in less than a week, but ended up becoming the gold standard for other brands looking for exposure to Gen Z. Their names are Evan Horowitz and Jeffrey Goldberg, and before they were founders of the innovative Los Angeles-based brand marketing firm Movers and Shakers, and before their company hit number 78 on the 2021 Inc 5000 list, they were a Broadway dancer and a Harvard MBA looking for their next big thing. Turns out it was right under their noses.
0: I had spent about a decade uh, on Broadway as starting as a performer, as a dancer, uh, and a singer, uh, an actor. And when I I met Evan, I was actually performing on Broadway in Mary Poppins. And I was what you would call a swing, which meant that uh, I would swing swing on to stage uh, any night of the week in, in one of over a dozen different roles. I was also one of the associate directors at the time, so very busy during the day teaching people, performing at night, um, and then after that, you know, I really shifted gears into um, away from performing and into kind of directing and choreography world, working on um, on stage, and also starting to kind of dip my toes into creating stories on film, um, little mini dance stories and musical things like that. So there is definitely an evolution from of my career but still within that storytelling space on in the Broadway kind of musical in the musical world.
2: And and Evan what was what was your professional life um, leading up to uh, the the kind of seeds of what would become Movers and Shakers?
1: I've always been a marketer in different ways. I started my career out in Silicon Valley at a tech company, I worked at Samsung, I worked at Macy's as a marketer and P&L owner. And then, when I was thirty, I actually quit corporate and started my first company, which was small business consulting, teaching successful small business owners how to be better marketers, better business leaders. Uh, and that was my first time as a business owner. So movers and shakers was uh, a later business that I started.
2: Right. So how did how did mover how, I mean, how did a Broadway dance captain and a marketing whiz start a company together? How does that how does that
1: start? We're married in real life. And so in the, career transition that Jeffrey was just describing, I was watching him go and put himself out in the world in these new roles with directing, with choreography. And to do that, he was building his reel and making all kinds of videos, dance on film, many musical films, and he would put them online. And every time he put one of his videos online, it would go mini viral because they were so joyful and so creative and the storytelling was so engaging. And as a marketer, I was just watching that and thinking, wow, here's videos that really cut through the social media clutter. That's an opportunity for companies who could tell their story in a more musically driven, culturally driven way. And so I pitched it to him and he said, okay, let's team up and start that business together.
2: Yeah. And what did the business look like at first? What What was it?
0: Well, at first the business was just me and Evan and we were... Thinking of all the different ways that we could use this type of storytelling to bring brands to life, and and that started off creating fun kind of musical short films like uh, we did a project with Match.com interpreting their kind of their story and how you can meet the love of your life on Match, but told through the lens of this kind of La La Land style musical film and Tapping into culture um, in that way through, you know, at the time that was actually right after La La Land had come out. And it was this kind of this cultural vernacular that people were falling in love with this type of storytelling again. So tapping into culture in that way, but interpreting brands through music. We continued to do other ways of interpreting brands through music and dance as well, creating you know Times Square billboards with uh, for fashion companies that had uh, people dancing in the clothes and stuff like that. So there was a lot of just this fun joyful storytelling through the lens originally really of music and dance as kind of that uh, as that filter.
2: Yeah, yeah. And and some of those videos that you had made that uh, that uh, kind of attracted Evan to this idea were these kind of tap dance on the street duet um, pieces that I encourage anyone <laughs> to to Google um, to Google that. What would you, what would they search to find it?
1: Search for tap dance on the pier and you'll find. Oh, easy tap dance on the
2: pier. Okay.
1: The first videos that
0: I made that Evan said, wow, if you could do that for a brand they they would, they would love this. And I said, do you think they'd pay us? And said, for sure. You know, so.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so you have this unique way of combining music with dance, with this beautiful cinematography and we're making kind of these sort of vignettes for brands, for ads. Um, But for a few years you, you were working kind of at home mostly together. I mean, this is now a very familiar um, sort of situation for so many Americans right now. Um, But, but what was it like those first few years? Like, did, did it feel like a business day to day? Did it, um, was it sustainable?
1: I would say it felt more like a vision and a dream than a real business in the sense that it wasn't paying the bills and we needed to figure out if we could make it pay the bills. It was challenging because we had had a number of great successes and case studies that we were building, but there weren't enough of them. We were working all we could to get the word out about what we were doing and try to find brands that were excited and were looking for that and get connected into them. It was really challenging because we were just starting from scratch. Neither of us had ever worked in an agency before. We didn't really know what we were doing. We we're just sort of reinventing the wheel and uh, trying to get connected. But uh, we had a lot of amazing highs where we put out this great work and it do so well. And then we have these long dry periods where we're like, oh, it's never going to go anywhere. I mean, we contacted and spoke and pitched to so many hundreds and hundreds of people or it never went anywhere, you know, so it's just a lot of no's and rejections and things like that to work through.
2: Yeah. And did that, did that tough time put a strain on your relationship too?
1: I would say uh, it wasn't definitely working with your partner is stressful. (laughs) I I think probably most people who start a business with their partner would agree to that. Uh, It is certainly the tough times that adds stress. I mean, if we had been making money and like you know doing great and on the Inc. five thousand list, you know, would have been probably a different perspective. But even then. Just working so closely together is really challenging. You know, I don't think most couples spend nearly as much time as we started to spend together. And certainly we had not before. we had always had our separate professional lives and then our personal lives together as a family. But uh, that intense working together brought up a lot of challenges and arguments and communication difficulties.
0: To build on that, we oftentimes hear like when you're first... Say, starting a relationship with someone, right? Go on a vacation with them, and all all of your stuff will come up, right? If you take like a weekend trip, right? <laughs> the planning, the the decision making, all that stuff. And uh, in a similar way, you know it's very true with uh, running a company. you know, running a company together, we're making decisions together every day. And that's stressful. We're trying to align our visions. We're trying to align, our ideas of what is going to be successful and what we're going to be passionate about. So all the stuff comes up, but it's also just another way to work through all that stuff. <laughs> Whether that's through renovating a kitchen or raising a child or, or raising a business, I think it's it's different ways for you to work through many of the things that you have.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's it's so important to know what's important, right? What was the moment that sort of changed everything or or tell me tell me what led to the 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 deal that um, sort of defined your future?
1: Well, as I mentioned, we were really hustling and just trying to get wherever we could to get in front of any potential clients because we really, really wanted to make this work. And uh, one of the things that was good for networking was also going to school reunions. So ironically, the answer to your question backtracks to my 20th high school reunion where uh, Jeffrey and I went, both because I wanted to reconnect with old friends, but also because you just never know who you'll meet. You know, and we're very much out just in putting ourselves out there mode. Well, it turns out that one of my friends from high school, who I barely kept in touch with in 20 years, was the VP of brand marketing at Elf Cosmetics. And she, when she heard about Movers and Shakers, was really intrigued about this idea of using music to connect brands and their culture. And she loved some of our case studies. And they happened to be in a moment of reinvention of their brand, so she was really looking for new ideas. And Fast forward, I think a lot of people have seen our Elf Cosmetics Hashtag Guys Space TikTok challenge that still two years later holds the record for most viral TikTok campaign that's ever happened in history. Over 5 million people made videos participating in the challenge. So I guess that's a really quick version, but we, we, we do look back and we think, wow, if we hadn't gone to that high school reunion, life would have been really different.
2: When we come back, I'll talk with Evan and Jeffrey about how their quick thinking, once they had a hit on their hands, made the future of their business. But first, a quick break.
0: First, the bad news.
2: Jeffrey, can you describe the campaign in a little more detail? What did you set out to do for Elf Cosmetics? And what did the, that first hashtag campaign and the first couple videos and, and, and the song look like, sound like? We can maybe play a small clip of it.
0: When Elf first started speaking with us, the conversation was around how can we how can we show up on this platform where we know a lot of their consumer bases, know a lot of the Elf fans are on, on this new platform called TikTok. Um, how can we uh, connect with Gen Z in a way that feels really authentic, really fun, um, and also gets everyone talking about eyes, lips, face? So ELF stands for eyes, lips, face, and one of the kind of prompts was how can we how can we get everyone talking about eyes, lips, and face? And so and
2: wait, let me just cut in. Did you guys know what TikTok was? Were you on TikTok at the time? <laughs>
0: We weren't on, we knew what TikTok was, but we had to download it. Kind of, yeah. (laughs) I think a few months prior, we had, Evan and I had had a conversation where I I had been hearing about TikTok and said, I think this is, remember Vine? And remember, it's like short form video. And it it could be something interesting because I think music is involved. It's kind of in our world, but we didn't really, we didn't dive in yet and. So you have to understand
1: at this time, TikTok was nothing, you know, now in hindsight, it seems obvious, but like all of these social apps have a moment where they're nothing. And then they have a moment where it's a lot of 12 year olds on it, you know, and TikTok was still, and that was like 12 to 16 year olds on it primarily.
2: And no one had figured out how to use it for advertising or marketing, right?
1: Maybe five, 10 Mm -hmm. brands. Most had ever tried anything there. They were, they were very experimental. So elf was, you know, probably the 10th or Fifteenth brand ever to do anything on TikTok.
0: I think there was one brand who had had a campaign that had had a billion views, and it was just like, pff, like mind blowing. The idea of having a billion views, and 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 as we were building the eyes, lips, face campaign, the people at Elf were saying like, we're going to go to billions and beyond, and we were like, okay, uh, sure, we're like shaking in our boots. How you know how is that going to happen? Because um, we just didn't <laughs> quite understand the mechanics of it, into, you know until we really got into it.
2: So you essentially wrote uh, or, and had had written, worked with producers to write this really catchy song. Um, was there any pushback there uh, about how to do the how to structure the challenge, how to make this thing go viral?
1: You know, we had been creating original branded music for at this point, I think about three years for many brands, uh, mostly for YouTube, for Instagram. So this is the first time on TikTok, but we felt really good with our ability to create original branded music. The challenge is whenever you're working with a brand that hasn't created music before, that's scary for them, you know, because they don't know what their brand sounds like. And remember, of course, brand marketers spend a lot of time thinking about what their brand looks like, what it talks like, et cetera, right? And Elf had just finished this beautiful brand book. It was like 200 pages and had all those details, but there was no chapter about music, So that's really scary often for marketers who are really conscious about how their brand is going to appear. And it can be a little stressful also when you're not a musician. I certainly experienced this myself. Jeffrey is very fluent in the nuances of creating sounds and how sounds affect emotion and perception. But it's a challenging process when you work with the brand and they're like, is this what our brand sounds like? I don't know, you know, and it's tricky.
0: The campaigns that had happened on TikTok to that point had leveraged popular sounds. And when we saw that sound was such an integral part of how virality happens on TikTok, well, we immediately went to, well, of course you should have your own sound. Of course you should have your own song. And I think when many people hear that, they think, oh, is it going to sound like a jingle? You know, I don't want to jingle. <laughs> um, and we said, no, 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 it's not going to sound like a jingle. It's going to sound cool. It's going to sound like a, a song that you would hear in the radio. It's, it's, it's going to sound like a song that, the people you're trying to speak to would add to their playlist. You know, there's a lot of, okay, we'll, we'll wait to hear it. There was also a certain amount of, well, that's not how it's done. And we haven't done it that way before on TikTok. And so we kind of plowed through and said, look, we have this idea that original music that is going to capture the essence of eyes, lips, face, your brand message is going to be crucial in getting your, you know, that message through in a, in a moment of virality. So we kind of took this, we held hands together with them, and we said, let's, let's go into this together, and and
1: we did. TikTok themselves was telling us not to create original music because that's not how it's done, which was good advice at the time. The few brands that had launched on TikTok had licensed hit songs, and so we had to work against that advice now. And Now it sounds funny in hindsight because every brand is creating original music, but we're the first ones to push through that barrier.
2: Right, right, right. And so, what happened when you launched the campaign? I'm guessing you had a, some influencers lined up to to post it, to post the hashtag, and to start spreading it around. But then, then what happened?
0: Yeah, yeah it's we, a really exciting moment at the beginning. We we work we work with and we partnered with um, a handful of, of influential people on the app to start to seed the campaign. Right to use the song, tell tell the eyes, lips, face story on the app, and then we know that that's going to have a certain amount of kind of impact, and other people will follow suit. And so the first few days it's just kind of watching really fun videos show up and oh my gosh did you see this one oh cool look at this makeup look and then all of a sudden start some of the other influencers on the app started chiming in oh wow look there's there's james charles you know famous makeup makeup artist and star and then and then all of a sudden celebrities started joining in and we said wait a minute like is that is that Reese Witherspoon? Is that Terry Crews? Yeah. We're
2: like, did we pay Reese?
0: (laughs) People actually asked us, like, how'd you get Reese for your campaign? And we said, well, we didn't. She just joined it because it was a cool campaign. And it hit this tipping point where we realized, wow, we have entered the cultural vernacular. This has become a cool song that everyone wanted to join. And this is a moment where tons of people were joining the app and they said, what's cool right now on the app? And this was it.
1: And pretty soon our song was trending outside of social. All of a sudden we were getting texts from friends saying, I just came back from an NBA game and they were playing your elf eyes, lips, face sound to hype up the crowd before the game. And we were like, what the heck? DJs were playing it in clubs. Like somehow our song had really taken off.
2: Yeah, that's amazing. So, I mean, there's this big question, like you you attain a thing, right? You've you basically made a campaign. It attains virality. And then what? Then does it just go away? You know, How did you two that respond to that instant hit of popularity?
1: Well, I think two phases. One is just how we stoke that. And then the second thing is how did we as a business decide to capitalize on that? Right. So I, you know, I said a second ago that somehow our song took off, but that really doesn't give us credit because we did so many incremental things after the campaign launched to make the song happen. We at first originally wrote 15 seconds and we saw people liked it. We extended it within days to a full song. We launched it on Spotify and iTunes. We then started a full-fledged music marketing campaign using the traditional music channels on Spotify, on radio, et cetera, to promote that music. We launched a music video, et cetera, et cetera. But you get the idea that it wasn't, you know, you look back and it's, it's an amazing case study, but it was really a series of decisions that we and our client team made to keep responding and stoking the flame strategically.
2: Where did you where did you learn that and and how did you kind of motivate yourself to continue to do that fast follow up? I mean, that seems like it, it feels so natural to you, but I, I can imagine that for other people that's that would be a huge challenge. Like how what advice would you give to other people, other founders, um, other folks who just have a, a viral campaign on their hands about how to how to nurture that?
1: It's important to not over plan. And I think that's where a lot of marketers go wrong is they have their plan and then they you know, they execute their plan and they see what happens and then they plan again. What we try to do is just really be iterative, looking, pivoting, looking, adding fuel to the fire, looking, taking away fuel from that fire didn't work. And I do think that's really a metaphor for growing a business as an entrepreneur too. You know, Like when this happened, we just figured out how to pivot and how to add fuel to that fire. We didn't think we were going to grow a business that was good at TikTok. That wasn't part of the plan, but we decided to add fuel to that fire. You know, We can talk more about that story in a second, but I think it really was just that willingness to be flexible and not assume that your plan is that good and just assume that you're good enough to plan in real time.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Jeffrey, do you have thoughts on that too?
1: The way we approach
0: building that campaign is, I think, very similar to the way we approach building our company in the sense that we went in eyes wide open for opportunity. There's always decision points about which opportunities do you lean into or not uh, and which do you seize? And so there were certain points when we said, hey, the music is trending. Let's expand the music and make it like release it as a full song. And then we saw, okay, you know, influencers are loving it. Celebrities are loving it. How can we celebrate that? Lean into that. Showcase that to start making more of a moment, right? So every step of the way, there's kind of these moments of decision of opportunity to to lean in. And you know, similarly, afterwards we saw, wow, like we've we started looking back at all the decisions that were made during that. We said that's kind of like a little bit of a a playbook. Like, what if we could replicate that? And there was this decision point at that point. Like, do we lean into that? Do we try to replicate that? Do we try to shift our our business into into doing that sort of model again and again for other for other business for other businesses and other brand partners
2: yeah and that's that's kind of what you did right
0: yeah exactly
2: yeah 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 so you kind of became the okay we want to go viral on tiktok let's call movers and shakers did your phone just start ringing off the hook at that point
1: Not quite, but the (laughs) week after we launched of Space, we got our first ever unsolicited inquiry from a potential client. It never happened before. We spent years hustling, knocking on doors, getting doors slammed in our face. And finally, we got one unsolicited inquiry. And funny enough, it came from Australia. It was an Australian skincare company. Our campaign had gone so viral it was in Australia. (laughs) And uh, even before that, actually a couple of weeks before we launched, we decided to air our first ever TikTok 101 webinar because we were just, as we were building out the TikTok campaign, we thought like, I think there's something here. And this, again, in hindsight, it sounds obvious, you know, because TikTok has become this huge, huge, important platform. But at the time it was, you know, well before where Clubhouse is today, right? And it was very speculative. So, but we just decided to place a bet there. And now it's funny, we've done two years of TikTok 101 webinars, at least one a month, right? Right. But we decided to double down and bet big on that. And when we got that phone call from Australia, that just added energy to us to try to start to market ourselves as the best agency at TikTok marketing, because we had one really great case study under our belt.
2: Yeah, I love that you took kind of two routes to it, too, just continuing the good the good work, continuing to work on campaigns and education. Right. Um, That's that's so important. um, So other small businesses can learn from from your success. So this was this all happened in uh, 2019. Right. Um, And then we all know what happened in March of 2020. Um, You guys had been in the process of moving to L.A. or you moved to L.A. shortly thereafter and you're faced with just all of this growth. I mean, you started hiring people at a really rapid clip. How did you essentially go from a two-man shop to a large organization, you know, during the onset of a pandemic?
1: Well, it all just happened at once and we <laughs> rolled with that and leaned into it, you know. It's We basically haven't slept since then, you know, (laughs) so don't, it's been an investment, but we've just really wanted to lean in. And it was after years, I think about three and a half years of just being me and Jeffrey as the only full-time people on this to hiring our first person who happened to start the week after our quarantine started in March, you know, when you say what happened in March, 2020, I think, oh yeah, that's when we hired our first person. Uh, <laughs> uh, and yeah. we almost signed a lease, uh, for an office space. Cause like, oh, we're growing a team. We need an office. And thankfully the, the landlord didn't send me the lease. And then that weekend, everything shut down. So thankfully we didn't sign the lease. Um, <laughs> But we hired one person and in the last 18 months, we hired another 60. So uh, it's just been an insane pace of growth to try to lean in and market ourselves as you know the industry leaders that we're becoming and build a team to support the demand that that's created.
2: Yeah. So you, you Movers and Shakers has this really great, um, if you go to the website or anything, it's this really, really bright, festive, music-forward, aesthetic. Um, but on the inside, like, what does the company look like and feel like? I mean, I'm, I imagine most of your employees are just all virtual. How do you build a culture? How do you build a company where you're you're not getting together? And in the, in the lifespan of the company, we've all been sort of separate and quarantined for a lot of the time. Um, how do you build a, a culture that reflects your mission and reflects your values, just completely, you know, over Zoom and phone calls and and these kind of far flung things?
0: Building a culture of joy is kind of what we refer to it at Movers and Shakers is, is really important to us. And it's been a huge focus as we've continued to grow the team. You mentioned how we're all virtual and we are, and we've all had moments where we've met in person at different times and through different events, but yes, 99% of the time, you know, we're looking at a computer screen uh, at, at each other, as well as with our clients, you know, haven't had client meetings in person for over, over a year for the most part. I think the biggest thing that we've found is there's those moments that you, you grab each other in the hallway and you have a little, an aside or, Hey, let's go sit down on the couch and have a coffee and talk things out that you don't, they don't happen as naturally virtually. And you kind of have to, at the beginning, it almost feels forced, right? Hey, let's set up a 20 minute zoom call to have a coffee. (laughs) And uh, it, it seems almost like, fake in a way, right? Because it's not as natural as it would happen in real life. But we find that those things, once you get past that hurdle of this feels forced, it's important. And connection is so pivotal to building collaboration, which we think is the key to you know building more innovative ideas, more disruptive ideas. And so as we've built our company, we've really put an emphasis on people connecting with each other, meeting each other, Building trust within each other across teams, people that maybe they won't even work with, you know, getting to know, getting to know them, um, building that trust, uh, you know, it has has been a real key part, um, for sure. And then also using the tools that we have, whether it's you know Zoom or Slack or Slack calls or this is a new thing called Huddle, where you kind of like peek into someone's office and you know talk with them for five minutes, all those kind of things, using to our advantage as finding ways to connect with people
1: we're at a time and many entrepreneurs will recognize where we have too many meetings. And so one of the initiatives right now is to prune the meetings, but one of the meetings that we did not prune is every Friday, we have an all hands meeting, which we call our dream team. And the meeting agenda is thank yous. First of all, where people thank each other across the company for just being great partners and and collaborators. And that is so beautiful and people really get into celebrating each other. And we love that. We also then celebrate face plants, which is screw-ups that people have made, you know, on projects. Yep. (laughs) And uh, we love that too, because to be innovative like we are, failure comes with the territory. So we really work hard to normalize failure and celebrate bravery. And then we also have uh, what we call superpower presentations, which is where we spotlight somebody each week and they present on one of their superpowers unrelated to work. Some people are amazing illustrators or artists or film buffs, or one person did a presentation about how to save money shopping online. And people get so into seeing each other's personal passions and the whole, it just ignites the whole team's passion and love for each other. And so there's things like that that we've really consciously curated to help build that camaraderie and love amongst our team, even through Zoom.
2: I love it. Congratulations to you too. You are the fourth fastest growing marketing agency in the US, number 78 on the 2021 Inc. 5000. How has uh, appearing on the Inc. 5000 this year affected the business um, and, and affected the team?
1: Well- First of all, it's just like, I feel the wind blowing through our hair and then it's like, oh, we're the 78th fastest growing company in America. That's why we're all running so fast, you know? Um, So in that sense, it's just like, so kind of validating to, to like, oh yeah, like we're doing really hard and amazing work here. So thank you for just like quantifying that for us. Um, but it's just amazing to celebrate the team. You know, this is this is no longer a me and Jeffrey project. As we said, we have 60 folks full-time, a ton of freelancers and contractors and people that we work with. And we're just building an amazing rocket ship together that we all feel so proud of. To see so to see this kind of recognition, I think it's just really energizing for everybody who we already feel so proud of what we're doing, but to see it be recognized by the industry is so uh, amazing. So thank you for that.
0: I also had even someone last week reach out who i hadn't spoken with in probably over a decade someone i knew from the theater industry we'd connected years ago about career and growth and kind of what different paths could look like and this person read the article and reached out and just said i just think it's amazing what you guys are doing it's really inspiring to see how you've built a career that takes what you've learned on broadway and through performing and storytelling and reinterpreted that through another lens. I've oftentimes struggled with that in my own life, and it's it's he he's shared basically was hopeful for him to see that other people are doing that, and so I think that alone was really just meaningful to me. That Evan and I, I speak for myself, but I think we we want to inspire our team, but also inspire other people out there to to approach you know their life, their careers with a more entrepreneurial spirit to kind of seize those opportunities and build them for themselves. So. I think having this article alone, people saw it, they read it, and they responded to it in that way with kind of it inspired them. So that was really meaningful.
2: That's fantastic. Why don't each Jeffrey and Evan, why don't you each tell me your one prediction for the future of movers and shakers over the next five years?
1: What we're really focused on right now is, while we love that everybody in the world comes to us for TikTok, because we have over a hundred billion views just on that platform, which kind of still blows my mind. (laughs) We really wanna make sure that people know that we do much more than just TikTok. And in fact, really our focus as an agency since the beginning has been connecting brands into culture. So we have this exciting project to extend the platform, extend our own marketing and our brand, Uh, to make sure that everybody knows that we're really focused just on creating cultural relevance. And that's why we were one of the earliest agencies on TikTok, because there was an opportunity there to um, build cultural relevance for Elf. And so that's been really exciting to just build our platform and our thought leadership. And it's amazing to see how marketing strategies that we invented two years ago have now become industry standard playbooks that These huge agencies and huge brands that we've never even met before, they're following our playbook. So our challenge to ourselves is how do we continue to create those across all sorts of different media and channels and strategies that we can continue to innovate like that? That's really exciting for us.
2: Fantastic. Jeffrey, do you have any predictions?
0: My predictions for the upcoming years, I think it's about entertainment and conversation. You know, virality is kind of that sweet spot where it's this kind of entertaining moment that you engage with, you watch, but you also join in on the conversation. And I think we're going to see how marketing moves into other worlds. You know, I, I see Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime shows coming out. You know, being built by by mark by uh, by brands. I I think having like really leaning into entertainment in that way of sparking conversation more broadly. Uh, so I'm excited about being part of that wave. Uh, I think that's definitely going to be um, coming coming down the coming down the line.
1: We'll bring you full circle to come right back into the entertainment world.
2: Yes. <laughs> Will you be back on the on the stage of uh, at any point, Jeffrey?
1: Um, only to accept
0: awards, Christine.
2: Okay. You know, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I
0: love I love performing. Uh, I, I still dance I, now. I dance and uh, I, I teach my three year old daughter how to. Do shuffles and steps and tap dancing in our garage. Uh, I love performing. I don't have ambitions of being a performer professionally again, but it'll always have a place in my heart.
2: Great. Well, thank you so much, Jeffrey and Evan. I appreciate you being here today.
1: What a pleasure. Thank you, Christina. It's been great getting to know you, and thank you for telling our story. And thank you for always emphasizing the ups and downs. You know, I think that's one thing that doesn't get enough play. And you look at someone like us, and you're like, oh, they're so successful, but. I I love the opportunity to just share with other entrepreneurs. It's not a straight line and there's so, so many hard times along the way. So I hope people take that message away.
2: Thank you so much, Jeffrey and Evan.
1: Our
0: pleasure. Thank you. Thanks so much, Christine.
2: After speaking with Evan and Jeffrey, I just Love what a pure example they are of a business that listens to their audience and adapts to what works, while still sticking to their own instincts and talents. Thinking quick and moving to add fuel to the fire when things are taking off. It isn't just one or the other. It's a balance of taking feedback and listening to your own gut. They successfully took a viral campaign and made it into a phenomenon. They took their TikTok song and gave it life on Spotify and life on YouTube as well. They exceeded their clients' expectations. And now they have more than 60 employees along for the ride as one of the fastest growing companies in the United States. And to manage all that growth during a global pandemic, that's really remarkable. Their ability to adapt their medium and method while staying true to their talents and instincts that's something we can all learn from. What I Know is a production of Inc. Magazine. I'd love it if you could subscribe or follow us wherever you are listening. It'll help make sure you don't miss the next episodes of What I Know. Also, if you have a friend who would love our show, please just send them a link to your favorite episode. And if you have any ideas for founders you'd love to hear from, drop us a note at Know at inc.com. You can also let me know on Twitter at Ligorio. Our producer, who is still working on his TikTok skills, is Joshua Christensen. I'm Christine ligorio chapkin Thank you for listening to What I Know.